0: You're listening to The C-Dub Show. Visit us on the Say Something Nice podcast network at ssnpodcast.com. Follow us at The C-Dub Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Acast. And now, on to our show.
1: when you look at me.
0: Are you looking with honesty in your heart? Is there really room for me to grow and be a part of your life? Or do you just want a one night affair?
1: Keeping close my soul size, we don't care. That's not what I There's more for me there's more for me
2: Well hello everyone We are here with another episode Of the C-Dub show And this week we have a segment Of our Six Degrees of C-Dub If you've been listening to the show A while you know the Six Degrees of C-Dub Is an episode where I get to interview Amazing black queer folks Or black or queer folks And today we have a little bit of all of those things I'm sitting with a group of amazing Five women who are going to be running For the San Francisco Democratic Central Committee They're going to tell us a little bit About themselves and what the heck a central committee is. So I'm going to go around and I'm going to ask them to first tell us a little bit about themselves and what inspired them to run. And this is the second take, listeners. You guys know we fuck up on this show all the time, and so they might have forgot. Hopefully they didn't. (laughs) Hi, my name is Tyra Fennell.
1: Again, running for the DCCC um, for Assembly District 17. I'm a resident of the Baby Hunter's Point. I have a nonprofit that I founded called Imprint City. And we go into neighborhoods similar to the Bayview and find the most desolate areas of the neighborhood and activate them with art. Um, my largest staple event is the Bayview Live Festival, which is five years strong. I'm running for the DCCC because I see a lack of representation in neighborhoods like the Bayview. Um, voter education, voter engagement, and voter registration. I also want to make sure that I'm endorsing candidates that come to the Bayview and actually listen to the interests of the community in my neighborhood. So I hope I get your vote for the DCCC. Again, my name is. Ty-
3: Hi, good afternoon everyone. My name is Bivette Brackett. I'm a San Francisco native um, of Afro-Latina descent. I went to school in the Mission and then later graduated from Lowell High School. And um, By being a resident of D5, I wasn't able to stay in D5 and was later displaced to the Bayview shipyard area where I raised my own children. And the reason why I'm actually running for DCCC is for three reasons. Um, One is I want to activate local voices. I want to make sure that our Democratic Party reflects the diversity that it claims it wants to be and I feel that part of that diversity needs to include reaching out and creating pipelines of leadership for um, underserved communities and making sure that they feel welcomed into the party. Um, The second focus that I really want to focus on is supporting small businesses. As you know, our small business community has been decimated over the last 10 years and our party hasn't spent enough time and energy supporting small businesses. And the last thing is families. As most people know, I've been very active around of education issues and so forth and i'd like to see more investment being made in especially the um, schools in the southeast sector and so that's why i'm running for office i hope to have your support and again my name is bavette bracket i'm running for DCCC on ad 17.
0: Hi, my name is Nadia Rahman, I'm running for the DCCC in Assembly District 19 on the west side of San Francisco. Um, I'm an activist and an organizer, and I'm somebody who is activated in the Trump era. So I'm Muslim American, I'm a first generation child of immigrants, I'm a woman of color, um, and I believe that representation is really important, um, especially within... The Democratic Party. So my background is in marketing and communications. Although, like my passion work and purpose in life really is activism and organizing, and working to ensure those democratic ideals of the party are adopted wherever they can be in our city, in our state, across the country. Um, and I'm running because, again, like this is really my passion work. But I think that the Democratic and party, the Democratic Party in San Francisco, being strong here. Um, has a lot of impact, not only in San Francisco, but in California. And then California goes on to influence the rest of the country as well. And so it starts in San Francisco, goes um, goes all, all the way across the United States. Um, again, my name's Nadia Rahman, and I'm running in
4: Assembly District 19. Sand Doves. Hi, I'm Sin Wang. (laughs) It's an honor to be on the C-dubs show, especially because my Insta handle is Sin Dubs. Uh, I am a native San San Franciscan, uh, a queer woman, a child of immigrants, a small business owner. I have been assistant city attorney to three Bay Area cities and I was a diplomat during the Obama era. I'm a lifelong feminist and activist, Uh, the first major event i organized was in high school the san francisco conference for young women uh, then funded by mayor willie brown so it's an honor to be running here in this city for DCCC, uh 8019 and the reason i'm running is for two main uh, there are two main purposes first we have a warmongering corrupt lunatic in the white house and The Democratic Party is our best firewall against him winning again. One-third of San Franciscans aren't party-affiliated. We need to turn that around, especially to communities that have been historically neglected by our party. Uh, And secondly, we have an affordability crisis here. Families, uh, small businesses are being pushed out, and it's too difficult to be able to do business here and to be able to afford to stay here. And I have a background in land use, I have a background in municipal law and zoning, and I wanna apply that uh, that substantive expertise to make sure that we can tackle this head on. So thanks again, my name is Sin Wang and I'm running 8019 19 West Side of the City. Thank
5: you, Sin. Um, Thank you, um, I'm in all of, of all these women. My name is Kristen Asato Webb and I'm running for DCCC in eighty seventeen on the east side. Um, the reason why I got into politics is because of family. I lost my sister to breast cancer in 2010. Um, it was before the Affordable Care Act. Um, she was under the age of 40 years old and repeatedly got denied care by her insurance company. Um, She passed away in uh, March 2010, right before the Affordable Care Act was signed into law. And the following year, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. But I had a very different story. Uh, I was a poor college student and had Medi-Cal. I was diagnosed on a Monday and had surgery that Friday. And because of that speed of care is why I'm here and why I advocate for public health. Um, San Francisco is in a public health crisis. um, And we are also... uh, You know, we've improved healthcare, but we are still leaving people out. Um, We are failing um, people of color, the LGBT, veterans, senior citizens. Um, And you know, we have an affordability crisis and we really need to redefine what low income means in San Francisco because that does not take into consideration people's disposable income and their ability to pay bills. Um, I really believe that representation matters. Um, I'm LGBT. I'm on the Alice B. Tolkes, um LGBT Democratic Club board, um, and also a, a member of the Women's Political um, ki- Committee because representation equates to um, allocation of resources and also how our children grow up seeing themselves, the, their community, and their future. Uh, I really feel passionately about representat- representing women and LGBT. I really don't feel like I see myself represented um, in the DCCC and I want to um, uh, do more um, to help lift other other people up. Um, I'm also, uh, I um, am really passionate about women's rights. Um, I i um, one of the one in four women that have had an abortion, and I believe this administration has waged war against women's rights, um, and uh, every woman deserves a right to choose what is right for their own bodies. Um, so again, my name is Kristen Asato Webb. I'm running for DCCC in AD17. Um, please consider me for your vote. Thank you.
2: Thank you, ladies. Okay, so let's get into some of the reasons why we are here. One question that I'm going to ask is something that's been rampant on my timeline on both Facebook and Instagram. What the hell is a central committee and why should we care if you get elected onto it? So that it can be one person or maybe if different people have a reason, but what the hell is a central committee? Who wants to answer that question? You want to answer
1: OK. So the Democratic County County Central Committee is an extension of the larger Democratic State Party of California. We will be representing San Francisco, which are two sides. There is Assembly District 17, which is largely the southeast sector. Assembly District 19, which is largely, well, is the west side of the city. Short, in short, the Democratic County Central Committee is responsible for educating and registering voters. That's the biggest job, to increase Democratic um, Party voters. The second thing is we endorse our local candidates that run for other seats, such as Supervisor, Congress, State Senate, things of that nature, Assemblymen. Um, and thirdly, we uh, put forward resolutions to strengthen and influence the larger party platform. And this is the, the litmus test on how we endorse candidates. So we want candidates that align with Democratic Progressive Values, and the Democratic County Central Committee is a front line of putting forward those resolutions. So creating resolutions that influence the party platform statewide and, and essentially nationally, two, registering and educating voters, and three, endorsing local candidates.
2: Okay. That answers a, a lot of that question. So another thing the why. about the why? Yeah. Well, but why? Why should we care if you get elected to the Central So the why is that
3: the personal is political. Everything that happens in your city, in your community, in your neighborhood has a direct effect from policies that are created by Democrats in San Francisco. And why I specifically single out Democrat in San Francisco is because we are the major party in San Francisco, and pretty much all of the other parties are. Considered in the minority, they don't really have a lot of influence in what happens in the city. So if you want things to change in your community, you have to be a member of the Democratic Party. And that is one reason why a lot of underserved communities continue to be ignored by the Democratic Party is because they're not registered. So when candidates pull the voting records, they only reach out to registered Democrats. So as you can see in the Bayview side of town and the Fillmore side of town, black and latino voters are definitely underrepresented and in fact the larger climate is pushing towards getting people in our communities to choose no party preference which actually disenfranchises us even more from being participate from participating in the party and party politics and so the last thing that Tyra also mentioned is endorsements. It's very important for us to understand that as people of color and people from underserved communities, we can't wait until someone becomes higher up in the party to then complain and say, we don't have a choice of candidates. We actually do have a choice and that's why you elect your DCCC members because we have the responsibility of endorsing candidates and we can endorse candidates from our own communities. They don't have to be outside of our communities like what we see happening right now.
2: So, okay, so then the question becomes, uh, one thing I'm heard, I'm, I live in Contra Costa County, um, in the west side of Contra Costa County, Richmond, California, El Cerrito, real Richmond. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one thing that a lot of people are saying is that, you know, there's all these different problems at Central Committee. There's not enough representation or, that, you know, the right people are not being endorsed. But what do you all see as the reason or the quote-unquote problem in Central Committee why there needs to be reform? I'm going to ask one of the ladies on this side of the table. Why does there need to be reform at the Central Committee level? Ugh. Nadia looks like she has something on her mind.
0: Um, so I think, I think this is also like a major reason that a lot of us are running is, um, a lot, so a lot of the women who are, all of the women that are speaking here on the podcast today are all like very much grassroots folks from the community, activists, organizers. We're just like everyday women. We're everyday people, we're not political cronies, we're not political insiders. Um, I think that what you could say about any of us um, or just that we've like been really close to the community. Some people like Vivette, you know, are born and bred, Anson are born and bred San Franciscans, like really know the community issues like through and through. Um, And we're here because we care. Um, With the current situation, Uh, in the Democratic County Central Committee is is like it's basically become like a war over that endorsement power. So whereas Tyra had said, you know, the real value in the Central Committee and the real power that it has is doing the work that it like its bylaws have chartered it to do in terms of like voter community engagement, voter engagement, voter education, voter empowerment, getting those voices that the vet was talking about that are typically marginalized and not represented to the table. Um, and because that, because people are really focused on pushing their political agenda forward um, and, and, and the endorsement process of that, so endorsing specific candidates, endorsing specific ballot measures, et cetera, um, that work of making sure those voices are represented, those communities are brought forth and engaged, um, democratic party participation and registration increases, that work has not been done for years. Um, So that's why that's what's brought all of us here. That's why we're running for the DCCC. That's why we're here on the podcast today, is to really hit home that message that a lot of people don't know what the Democratic County Central Committee is. So thank you for asking about what it is. Thanks for asking about why we're running for it. But it's so important, especially in this race, that people register to be Democrats and that they turn out on March third to vote, and to vote for, you know, hopefully pleading with you all, (laughs) for the women on the slate, for, you know, the the women and and the people who identify as men on our slate as well, um, because we're very much interested in doing that work and course correcting and shifting it away from, like, just focusing on the endorsements and really doing that work in the communities of getting people registered as Democrats.
2: Well, and one of the reasons why I asked the question is because, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, voter education. and We talk about how most people only vote in presidential election years, how they don't know a thing about their down ballot voting. And I'll be honest, I'm a person who is who was an alternate in my central committee. And I didn't even know that I mean why I was supposed to be going. I was just on there because my club asked me to be. in. So thank you for educating me on that. Another question that a lot of people have been asking, especially here in San Francisco we have a lot of already elected officials that are running for central committee. So aside from the obvious, you know, everyday man question, you already have a position so to speak. How does that compromise or what why is that particularly a problem I'm um, having already elected officials or is it a problem? Maybe it's not a problem. How does that impact the um election for central committee? <laughs>
5: this is Kristen Asato Webb. Um well, unfortunately, uh you know the elected officials that are already you know on the central committee a number of, of things happened um when the last election happened, um some of the people that had a lot of name recognition they resigned within the first year, so I think it was like one third oh it was fifty percent fifty percent of um the people that were elected resigned, and then that That way, the chair is allowed to appoint the replacement. Um, And we, you know, all of us here are dedicated to fulfilling our role on the DCCC. This isn't just a way to, like, elevate ourselves. We really want to do the work. Um, And, you know, it it doesn't make sense to me why somebody that's already elected would want to sit on the DCCC. For one, I, I have questions on whether or not they will really have the time to fulfill those duties if they're already, a, say, a city supervisor. Um, you know. And also, um, where is the space for somebody else, the next generation that's coming up? We really need to support the next generation. Um, it's gonna be a problem if we can't elevate you know, millennials and people that are coming up because, you know, we're we're eliminating voices, we're eliminating ideas, and we're just focusing more and more on the same people. And, um, you know, that is damaging, not just to our city, but our state and our nation.
4: Hi, this is Sin Wang, wanted to chime in there. As Christian was saying, the role of the DCCC historically has been to build a pipeline of leadership in the Democratic Party. And the fact that it's become a place where elected officials use their name recognition to consolidate power and a symptom of tribalism, that's a problem. Um, Secondly, not only do they already have full sets of responsibilities in their other jobs as electeds. but they're able to skirt some campaign finance laws and use their DCCC campaign as a slush fund. Um, They also are subject to different ethics rules that could cause a conflict as well. Uh, So those are all potential issues uh, with the existing elected officials who are running and using their name recognition.
3: I just wanted to add to the commentary about it being a slush fund, Um, the DCCC race has been a dirty little secret within a Democratic Party. And so if we are talking about really choosing our progressive values and having real campaign finance reform, it's kind of disingenuous for us to have elected officials on this race receiving money that they know that they're going to be using for another race in the future, also controlling the endorsement process, also hampering and forcing labor members to give blind allegiances and blind votes for issues that haven't even come before the party yet. And so what it's doing is it's actually decreasing democracy and actually bastardizing democracy as we know it um, because people don't have free will to choose anymore. And it's creating almost a climate to where people are afraid to speak up. And in a city like San Francisco, where we're basically known for being proud and loud and being able to speak up and people having a voice, it's actually um, creating a system where Just grassroots candidates have to raise $50,000 to just be considered a candidate for a local race. There is nowhere else in the state of California where a Democratic County Central Party has to raise that much money to overcome name recognition for people who aren't even going to do the work once they get a seat on DCCC.
2: Everyone in Cafe Envy is snapping right now. Also, you do need to come to Cafe Envy. We are here in the Bayview. What street is this that we own? Oh, Yosemite and Third, I just want to shout out the Cafe Envy, they have been great hosts for today's Gumbo Social, also the gumbo was not nasty, y'all know I'm hard on gumbo, it was very good. Thank you. What's the name of the chef? What's his name? Dante Ball. Thank you, Dante, for making us not nasty gumbo. Okay. so. <laughs> oh, Gumbo Social. Uh, he has pop-ups everywhere, and you can find him on Instagram, but I'll give everybody Instagram handles later. So another important question. We talked about how people don't vote in non-presidential um, years, but a lot of people know that there's a presidential or at least a primary coming up in March. So a lot of people are going to be heading to the polls, but not very many people know about their down-ballot initiatives. So I'm going to ask each of you, and this is, I'm going to go into a second question actually because this is inspired by a conversation by Bavette. um, What is your favorite or Favor is not a good word. What is a, a down ballot initiative that you are very invested in and, and would like to see pass and want people see people to invest more in? I'll start on this side with Kristen. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh um. Remember, I'm from
5: Cross County. I don't know many y'all down ballot. Okay, it's Um, what's that? Oh, it's something about the like flower production. Oh, bees. B. Okay. Okay. So, uh, thanks, thanks for the clarification, Asen. Um. But this is Kristen, I'm really passionate about um, Prop B because um, that is um, investing in fire protection and emergency preparedness for the city. Um, I have worked over the past um, about four four years in water and in wastewater with the public utilities and also um, through a national nonprofit. Uh, I'm really passionate about making sure that the lifelines to our communities are um, in good shape and sustainable. A lot of our infrastructure is crumbling because it is 50 to 100 years old, and or it wasn't well thought out when it was put in place. <laughs> so we really need to invest in that infrastructure um, and then uh, improve it. Uh, part of the uh, problem is there is not enough money allocated to the auxiliary uh, fire safety um, system, and uh, a lot of the city is at risk. And with three active fault lines in the area, we really need to prioritize that. Uh, It's hard because it costs a lot of money, it takes a lot of time, and a lot of that uh, funding is often put towards visible infrastructure, i.e. our roads and bridges, Um, but the invisible infrastructure that is underneath the ground um, is really important. We really take for granted that when we turn on the tap, uh, we get clean water coming out, and when we flush the toilet, our waste is taken away. Um, but we really need to invest um, in that. Thank you.
0: Hi, this is Nadia. Um, So I'm totally 100% with Kristen, yes on B um, for earthquake and fire safety. I think Um, you know we haven't been in that situation where there's been like a huge scale like devastating impact on the city like either from an earthquake or from a fire Um, and it's easy to kind of get complacent when things are fine Um, but I think that that emergency preparedness, like making sure infrastructure is where it needs to be in case a disaster like that happens, making sure our first responders are well equipped to protect the citizens of San Francisco if something like that happens is actually really important. And hopefully in the long term, like that'll we'll never have to cross that bridge. But from like a statistical perspective like something will probably happen where we're going to need those resources and we're going to need our first responders to be prepared and in order to save lives and protect people's quality of life we we need to make sure that's in place so i'm passionate about that
3: Um, so I actually would like to talk about something that's not on the ballot yet, that they're trying to get on the ballot for November 2020, which is schools and community first. So as I said earlier, one of the things that I'm concerned about is local families. Schools and community first is actually a ballot initiative that tries to erase the disparities in terms of commercial tax. So as you know, our um, our property taxes for homeowners does has been rising, and we have been using a lot of money from that. but what schools and community first does is it tries to repair the disparity of that the corporate um, commercial taxes haven 't been um, re- risen in um, comparison to home property taxes. And that money is gonna go back into our schools and for education and stuff like that. So schools and community first, um, I really would like that to be an initiative. So if you guys see people on the streets looking for signatures for that, please make sure you guys sign, sign that initiative so we can get that on the ballot for 2020 so that we can have a really good solid tax revenue um, in perpetuity for our schools and our communities. well there's a there's some amendments but um, just getting it on the first part of the ballot is very important um a lot of times sometimes these larger initiatives like this they don't usually pass on the first time around but we're really pushing to get enough signatures so that it is on the ballot um and i think that's the part that's important is having these conversations of having statewide um funding sources, not just local. Um, I think that what we're gonna see in the next upcoming recession is that a lot of cities are not gonna have the money that they're gonna need to reinvest in their communities and in their local schools. And I just would hate to see a lot of school districts across the Bay Area go bankrupt like they did. You know, Vallejo was one of them. Richmond had a couple issues. Oakland is dealing with those issues right now. So we need to start not just being reactive as a democratic party, but being proactive about those funding sources.
2: Oh
1: yeah, I was trying to figure out what to pick because it, everything, a lot of things have been discussed already. But um, kind of on the, in the same lines of education, there's a lot of infrastructure issues with City College, um, and so there's a Prop A uh, Proposition A on the ballot to support funding for City College job training, repair, and earthquake safety. And we know that the Bayview is over um, undergoing some renovation to its own City College, um, especially the 1550 Evans campus, which is being built. And some of these funds will go to support the infrastructure resources for the programs in the Bayview Hunters Point. So I encourage everyone to vote yes on Prop A, um, again, supporting um, some of the education infrastructure in the Bayview
4: Hunters Point through City College.
2: Awesome.
4: Hey, uh, I agree with my slate mates on the issues they raised, particularly around Prop B. Uh, San Francisco is a very, is a, is a city that's very vulnerable to natural disaster, and we have to reinvest in that infrastructure. But I also wanted to call out Prop D. I am a small business owner last year in San Francisco from January to October, we had 411 restaurant closures. Uh, Arizona State University did a study of the entire country and found San Francisco was the leader in terms of being the toughest city in the United States to open and operate a business. Prop D would put a tax on uh, vacant commercial properties and so I think that provides a better incentive for folks to restore these commercial corridors. All of us know that here in San Francisco, there are too many empty storefronts. Uh, we need to make it easier, and we need to provide disincentives for landlords to keep these properties off the market and to um, restore the vibrancy of our neighborhoods again, which is through small business. It's, it's not just the backbone, but it's, it's the lifeblood of, of our communities.
2: that we've got So, one thing that I noticed about the Slate reading everyone's bio, aside from the fact that Nadia is from near almost where I am in Texas and I'm in Louisiana, that's besides the (laughs) point. Um, You all talked about representation. So I know that we have two queer folks that are on the Slate. We have two African-American women that are on the Slate. Um, Nadia, I forgot what what your background was again. Uh, from Pakistani origin, all right. So we have you know very diverse POC slate, um, gender non specific. Um, I know that Tyra, I know that you're a graduate, you're a graduate of eMERGE, correct? Yes, uh, and Bivette is a graduate of eMERGE. Nadia, Nadia, is everybody Nadia, here? Nadia, Sin, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, and I'm not a graduate yet, I gotta finish, but I mean, I'm going this year. Everybody, but so the point Nadia is, Nadia and the news,
3: just, just, yeah,
2: yeah. oh, yay. We're all sis- we'll make you an honorary sister, saying that's okay. But so, very, as we can see, representation is very important. Um, and uh, in here in the Bay Area, we don't necessarily always see our central and our states, our locals as being, you know, just cis and white, but at the same time, representation is still very important. So in the context of making sure that you ladies are elected to the central committee, how important will that be from a representation perspective? Does that question make good sense? Who wants to
3: take it, but is going to take it? Um, I think representation 100% matters for me being a native of San Francisco. There aren't very much natives left. I think every time I get in an Uber or a Lyft, people call me a unicorn. I think being able to say that San Francisco natives still matter that while we welcome other people into our community, we matter and we, our voices still need to be heard and uplifted. Um, also as a woman who is, uh, is African American, um, it's important for them to see black women and new women in leadership positions and also people who aren't afraid to still be in community while in these leadership, commun- in, in these leadership positions. And then also we have all these young girls here And if we're really gonna be talking about moving the party forward, you know, the best thing we can do, as you saw on the national platform, is to give women a voice. Um, I find it very offensive that um, right now the political discourse is that um, we aren't corporate-minded or we're corporate-backed candidates. Um, and that the language of revolution, whereas people are using the language of social justice on a slate with all elected officials where they're basically climbing up the ladder of grassroots movements and slamming the door behind them and not letting anyone else from grassroots struggles or community come through is very disheartening. And it really doesn't show that we really have the right leadership in the party because we should be welcoming more people in, not shutting the door on people coming in and so I know that my community in particular feels shut out of the political process and me having a seat and winning a seat will actually energize a lot of the people in the community to speak up and come out and learn more about the Democratic Party and I think that's what we all want as San Franciscans, whether you're born here, just came here, or you're planning on coming here tomorrow.
2: Thank you, oh, everybody wants to talk on this. Okay, and I wanna also, before I hand it over to you guys, as the two months old president of San Francisco Pride. I want to definitely shout out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm already being driven stir crazy, don't clap. Um, (laughs) um, Specifically, and I want to shout out also Jane, who was supposed to be here with us today and who was in an accident. And we want to definitely know that we have, at least for me, I don't want to project anybody else. I have, she hasn't, I have her in my prayers, but Um, The importance of having our LGBTQ and gender non-specific, gender non-binary folks represented in, in Central Committee. You know, what does that mean to you as folks who are, for me, watching what happened to Katie Hill earlier or last year as a black, queer, masculine presenting woman it puts a lot of fear into you as a queer person because you see how the way that she wasn't supported or whether she felt that she wasn't supported so how important is is it to you all to be elected into the central as as lgbtq or or queer people
5: this is kristen Um, representation is very important to me i really firmly believe that it is the first step in creating um, and correcting the imbalances in the greater system I uh, really feel that um, LGBT women um, uh, need to, to be out there and be in uh, um, positions of leadership. Uh, the administration, uh, Trump, and a lot of the Republicans have waged war on women and the LGBT. Um, I was, I got married to my wife in 2017. Our wedding was planned for April. Um, But when Trump got elected, we got married in January, on January 19th, right before he got inaugurated, because we were scared as hell that our rights were going to be taken away. Um, My wife is everything to me, and she is very androgynous, Um, she is Japanese-American, and um, this is the most accepting place we have ever lived and I love San Francisco. It has welcomed us with open arms, and um, I wanna work to improve because I believe San Francisco has such potential, and if it can't happen here, it can't happen anywhere, in my opinion. We are the most progressive city in the nation, and um, we need to pave the way for the future, and I I think that we're ready to do that. Thank you. Hey, this is
4: Sin. I couldn't agree more with that. And as everybody says, if you're, you don't have a seat at the table, you're on the menu. That's why representation matters. Uh, San Francisco, the Bay Area is the birthplace of, of the Black Panther movement, of the same-sex marriage movement, the anti-war movement. This is a place where innovation, social change, and progressive values happen and are manifested every day in our communities and yet we look at the Board of Supervisors, we have one LGBTQ representative. Uh, that's too few. Again, DCCC is one of the places where we build that pipeline to leadership and I'd like to see a lot more representation. Uh, well, I want, I want to say
0: something else. Okay, Okay. Um, so, this is like along the lines of representation. And I think that, like, um, everyone here, Tyra, Bivette, um, Kristen, Sin and myself, and then Jane, also, who couldn't join us but is with us in spirit. Um, we also have, you know, because of where we come from, because of our backgrounds, because of like our ethnic origins. Um, we have very different like, life experiences and we're, we would bring that to the Democratic County Central Committee too. Um, but then we've all done a lot of different things professionally and um, we can bring that as well. So I think a key part of representation is also the work people do to connect with communities, whether you belong to them or not. So as an example, um, like a lot of the work that I've done in my career as like a communications professional is doing the research of figuring out how people behave, how they think, how to target specific communities, and then engage them where they are, Um, and then connect with them based on, like, the messages that will actually resonate with them. And that's something that, like, we don't really see the Democratic Party doing. We see them kind of, you know, the Democratic Party of San Francisco, we see them Behaving and messaging in a way that's convenient to them But they're not really connecting with people because it's kind of like a one-way dialogue and that I want to tie it back to Representation because it's like when you bring in the people who can do that work who have been doing that work in one form or another Whether it's as a communicator or somebody who's like a community activist or whatever Like that adds value to the party and that's why representation is important so um, just to give you an example uh, <laughs> the last the last time the democratic party of san francisco tweeted was back in october um there's so much that has happened since october like for instance like we were nearly like at the brink of war with iran um yeah, they do need, yeah, they they needed like, a lot of help, so <laughs> that's why we're running. Um, but, yeah, so we're, like, at the brink of war with Iran right now because of something that our president, who's been impeached in the House, did that could be debatable as, like, unconstitutional. Um, and, like, our local Democratic Party has not said anything about it in the last week-plus since it happened. So, you know, from a communicator's perspective, what should they have done? They should have gotten out messaging as soon as that happened, like within 24 hours on what we as Democrats in the city can do so we can reach out to Nancy Pelosi and say, I condemn this action, this assassination of this general. And I want to make it clear that I do not want my country to go to war with Iran. Um, And then also that same um, guidance for reaching out to our senators, Um, but that never came but that never came down from the Democratic Party. And it's like, those are the things that aren't happening, which really showcase that it's not working.
2: Well, okay, so I, I did an addendum to the way that the six degrees of CW normally end. So I'm gonna first ask everyone, because it's a long list of questions and you know it'll take a long time. So first I'm gonna ask you a serious ending question, then I'm gonna ask you a not so serious. So the first question, we're gonna be running a campaign for San Francisco Pride for our 50th anniversary, which is Generations of Hope. And the question that we're gonna be asking our board members is, what gives you hope? So I would like to ask the panel the same question. What gives you a hope um, a- after elections and beyond election, what gives you hope going into the future of the Democratic Central Park Committee? Starting with Hi,
1: thank you for having us. Um, yeah, so I think one thing that gives me hope is that after, I think before Trump was put into office, people were kind of going along to get along. There was a lot of apathy, especially in the Democratic Party. And one thing I'm hoping the silver lining from this horrible situation will bring us is a group of emerging leaders like we see today and we're learning today um, that are gonna be invigorated, passionate and mobilized, not only nas- around national politics, But locally, a lot of things happen at the local level. People really discount it. But that's really where a lot of fundamental, tangible things happen. And I see a mobilization of new emerging leaders that are passionate, that are becoming educated and strong in the party. And so I'm really feeling hopeful that that will help um, shift the whole uh, energy of the country.
3: So I'll say for myself, the process of running for office is daunting for women in particular but more so for black women and women of color um, because we're always taught to step behind or just do the work. We're never taught to assert ourselves in a leadership position. And so what gives me hope is this process of being able to talk to my neighbors again, meeting new people through the endorsement process, meeting people across various different generations and kind of hearing some of the things that resonate with me and make me feel like I'm supported and that they understand some of the issues that are plaguing our community, and then also, more than anything, um, from talking to people in all the different districts in this city who are afraid to speak up and say that our political climate in San Francisco has gotten to a breaking point. It has gotten very caustic, to the point of and toxic, to where a lot of people don't want to participate anymore. But what gives me hope is that by me running and being. Kind of unapologetic about my message when i do talk to them that they are now feeling like they can now speak up and i've been hearing through different people from all different factions that they want the party to be able to communicate better with each other without having to demonize each other personally and that we can maybe in the future and in the near future start focusing again about policies that actually lift up the most disenfranchised because what i've seen is Some of these new, more progressive policies have actually hurt our communities, like Free City College, which right now, we don't have any classes at Southeast Campus because of the mismanagement of funds.
0: Hi. Um, What really inspires me is getting out there. So what all of us have had to do is a lot of, grassroots campaign literature dropping uh in communities that we represent in our assembly districts as a part of our campaigns and what that means is like we're dropping off literature but a lot of times we're like intercepting people as they're like coming or going from their homes and people like at least all of the people that i've come across like are interested are asking questions do have curiosity are inspired by us running um so that interaction and that seeing that people care and they are interested and they do give a shit like that is very inspiring to me and then actually a the second thing that I'll mention is that through this experience and um, again you mentioned earlier that um, like a number of us went through um, Emerge California uh, to train to run for office is um, the people in like my network um, so like my personal like family and friend network who are like you're just a regular person, and you're actually running for office, and I'm seeing you do it, you know, via your social media, and like it makes me think that I can do it too. Like that's really inspiring to me that other people feel that they can tap into this like political bubble that might have felt totally inaccessible before.
4: This is Sin. Uh, that was so well said. I completely agree. There's something. Puts uh, the idea of running at, of political participation back in the grasp of, of everyday people and communities as part of this process. Uh, for me, what's giving me hope is these are really dark times that we're living in on an on a national and international level. But to see these these grassroots movements, whether they're for criminal justice reform or, or gun safety and gun reform from Parkland students, or even holding um, sexual predators, like the men who've gotten away with it for generations and, and generations accountable through the Me Too movement, um, Black Lives Matter, all of these folks are finally being taken to task and a lot of it is through the power of social media and just communities being galvanized and and that gives me a lot of hope.
5: This is Kristen. Um, I'll say um, there's two main things that I really think that just inspire me and give me energy and give me hope. Um, Number one is seeing other women that are getting shit done. from Nancy Pelosi to Greta Thunberg. um, It is inspiring to see all these amazing women out there that are paving forward our future. Um, I I really get energized from them, especially the young young people, um, including our interns over at the SFPUC. Um, But secondly, what's really energizing to me is, I've had a a huge journey uh, talking about myself on this campaign. I've I've campaigned for women over the past, I don't know, maybe five years, and and I I love campaigning for other women. Um, It's been really hard talking about myself and my personal journey. Um, I have opened up about losing my sister, about having breast cancer myself, um, losing my childhood home to foreclosure, but also overcoming drug addiction. Um, It was really hard for me to say that um, and to come out with that. Um, I've had to overcome a lot of challenges and what's really energizing is after I get up and I speak and it is, you know, I spill my guts, somebody comes up to me and says, you know, we have a lot in common. And I never know exactly what they mean, you know, until they start talking about it. but I've realized that me sharing my story empowers other people to share their story. And to me, that's everything, because it's hard to open up about chronic illness or things that have impacted your family. Um, You know, it's not always like the the bright sunshine, you know, that we always wanna hear. Um, But when you can connect with somebody on that level about something that really matters and then Hearing what they've had to say, that, that gives me energy every day.
2: All right, so I'm going to get you all out of here with a, this has been a really heavy episode. You know, one of the cornerstones of the Steve Dub show is that I firmly believe in our ability to walk and chew gum at the same time. So we can both talk about serious issues and also laugh about things so we can both talk about our shitty president and also talk about the important things in life like what's better Popeyes or Chick-fil-A. We have to be able to do these things in order to maintain (laughs) joy. So. I'm going to, usually what I do at the end of Six Therese of C-Dub is I ask you a set of questions about your favorite things in culture. Since we have five panelists today, I'm going to kind of amend that a little bit. I'm going to steal something a little bit from my other favorite podcast, which is Jamel Hill is Unbothered, because she's never going to listen to this podcast. So please (laughs) answer the question that I'm going to give you, and also then give your social media handles where people can find you. So the question is... You, have, you can only listen to one album for the rest of your life to save the world, or else the world will implode. You have to listen to it every day. So what is your one favorite album that you can listen to every day consistently for the rest of your life to save the rest of the world? And then you don't have to, please do not define why, just tell me what it is, and then your social media handles. Mine is Michael Jackson's Off The Wall. What's yours, Kristen?
5: Um well something that's been I you know I, I rotate I rotate through uh through music but I'm just going to throw out this um uh, Carol King's beautiful because uh you know you just got to got to get out there every day and uh show the world that you're beautiful. Oh and um vote for Kristen um is uh, at, uh my uh Facebook and uh Kristen uh or web Kristen is my uh, um Twitter
4: Okay. Uh, just, uh, Sin Wang here. I'm really struggling with this because I have a different album like every week, but maybe a classic that I go back to all the time is Fleetwood Mac. And my Instagram mm-hmm. handles Dubs, as you know, and uh, sinforsf.com is my website. Hi, this is Nadia Rahman. Uh, my album would be Beyonce's
0: Lemonade. She dropped that right as I was getting divorced, so it really resonated with me for a number of reasons. Um, and my social media handle is Nadia Rahman SF. N A D I A R A H M A N S F.
3: This is too hard.
0: I'm upset now.
3: Why did you say album? Can we like pick genre of music or something? <laughs> no. Um, so just to answer it, I probably think. Um, Okay. Still going. Woo. (laughs) All right. So you can find the C-Dub
2: show at on all social media networks as the C-Dub show. You can find me on Instagram as C-Dub the host and on Twitter as C-Dub the host. You can find me on Facebook as Dub Carolyn. If you're easily offended, don't add me on Facebook. Don't send me no random Instagram or Facebook messages about how much I've offended you. That was the entire point. Um, Please follow and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher and Spreaker. We are going to be going on a break after this show is posted because we're going through a little bit of an overhaul but we have all of our old episodes including the timeless classics like this white man got lost looking for India or where do broken hearts and hymens go. So. Please listen to all the epi- old episodes. That is this week's edition of The Seed.
0: The C-Dub
2: Show.